Hi, this is Karina Ganters, host of Behind the Pen, and you're listening to the audio podcast. Enjoy. Karina Gantis, your host for Behind the Pen. I hope everyone is well out there. I am an award-winning author of 14 books, award-winning filmmaker, a booktuber, a YouTuber. I host the uh, Author Assist show on the Artist First Network, and I have two podcasts as well as running Author Assist, which helps authors with their marketing and promotion, everything from brainstorming an idea right through to promoting the final product. Today, my very special guest is Brendan, uh, nearly forgot there, Brendan Greenwood. Welcome to the show, Brendan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm terrible with names. You'll have to excuse me. So whereabouts are you from in this big world? Um, I am in Austin, Texas in the United States. So Awesome. How is it over there right now? Good? It, it's very warm. It's going to be a very warm Christmas, almost 82 oh. degrees on Christmas Day. So. Do, you, do you want that or do you like the snow? No, I'd rather have it cooler, much cooler, but not much we can do about it. So. Let's see it over here. We look over to the mainland Greece because I'm in Corfu, the island of Corfu in Greece. We look over to the mainland. We see all the beautiful snow on the mountains. We never get a flake over here on the <laughs> island. It's like yeah. it's everywhere around, but totally misses the island. So yeah. what a shame. Okay, so yeah. behind the pen is for anyone who holds a pen. You can be an artist, an illustrator, a painter, a writer, an author, tattooist, musician. The list goes on. So my first question to you, Brendan, is what do you use your pen for? I use it mostly for writing novels. Um, I do a little bit of short stories, but mostly novels are, are, are that's my sweet spot, so. What came first though? Was it the short story or novel? Uh, definitely the novels. Uh, a lot of people say to start off with short stories, but I just never was kind of a, a short story guy. I always had a big ideas and big, big uh, plans. So uh, it was always a novel for me. Do you notice, though, that when you have an idea and you start writing it, you have no idea how long the story's going to be? We're the ones that end it. Well, our characters tell us when to end it, mind you. Yeah. But you don't know if it's going to be a short story or novella or a full novel until you get to the end. Yeah, I mean, I, thought, I think you start with the genesis of an idea and you kind of have an, you know, a thought where it's going to go. And sometimes you know it's going to be a little bit bigger than... than than what you would, you know, like a short story or a novel. I kind of knew from the beginning that, that my story that I was doing, the, the one I currently have out, was at least going to be probably a two-part, a two-book series. And then as I went through, it, it quickly became three parts. So <laughs> You got carried away with that one then, didn't you? Yeah, for and sure. That was for your debut novel? Yeah, that was for my debut novel. And then okay. the short stories were just, they just came out as basically chapters that, didn't really fit into the book itself so they ended up becoming uh like support short stories you know that i oh, would that's use. cute 
You could yeah. put them all in a little book and have them yeah. on the side for, That's for the, the idea, like a little anthology, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why not? So before we talk about the book, let's start from the beginning. Um, how creative are you? How creative were you as a child? Were you into writing? Were you into painting? Were you into music? So I, I, I liked all of those things. Um, I would say I was probably more of a recipient or a user of the art than I was. <laughs> itself. I I love to read from a, from as small as you know, young as I could imagine. I read uh, pretty voraciously. I read a lot. We we moved around a lot, so I didn't have a lot of like friends, lifelong friends. So it was, easy, it was easier for me to make friends with a book than it was to make new friends. So I, I just read read that. all the time. <laughs> so um, yeah, that was my thing. I loved music. I loved reading and and so forth. But I didn't really participate in making it till I got older. So so. Going back to your young, uh, younger days when you were a voracious reader, what's the book that really stands out for you? What 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 books stood out for me, or what what books stood out for you oh, the most yeah. back in those days? So, in, when I was really young, uh, probably you know, ten or twelve, I really got hooked on um, Edgar Rice Burroughs, and he did uh, the Tarzan series. So he had a <gasps> Oh, he had wow. 20, 20 plus books in that series. And I, I read those. I think I read every one of them at least two or three times. And I eventually started collecting the paperbacks uh, when I could get, when I could ride my bike down to the, the bookstores and find them. So um, yeah, that was probably the biggest influence on me when I was young was Edgar Rice Burroughs. And then I just, I loved history. So I would just go to the library and just check out anything I could find on history, but, uh, any type of history. So whether it doesn't matter what country or what area. Well. So yeah. You, yeah, I I can't read nonfiction. That's too too much uh, trying to to get to try and sink in. Whereas yeah. when you read fiction, you put yourself in the character's shoes and you go through each emotion, each scene, each uh, the plot of the book, and you get part of it and you feel like you're part of it, and and you just get lost in this new world that this author's created. But when it comes to nonfiction, it's just so much info dump and my brain can't take it. But yeah. whereas you, you, you thirst on that knowledge. Yeah, I really, especially history books. Um, I just really, really loved history, whatever it could be, you know, the American Civil War, World War II, Roman Empire, uh, whatever, whatever it was, Anything, I just huh? loved to read it. Yeah, I just, to me, it was fascinating because it, it it's almost like fiction and then it's a story if you look at it, um, but it, it's real, right? So it's like, you know, for the most part, I mean, obviously some history books are, you know, have the, it's still an opinion in, a, in, a, in a, somebody's version of the of history, right? It doesn't <laughs> exactly. necessarily mean it's accurate, right? Exactly. It's still, There's it's, not a lot of, you've got to have a lot of proof to, to, uh, to collaborate what you're saying in a book when it comes to history. And like you yeah. said, there's, especially when you go back so far, there's not a lot of proof. And so you have, it's all hearsay and you just have to go with that. Um, did you, when, when you were back in college, university or whatever, did you take a history major or anything like that? Yeah, I actually started as a history major. I was gonna uh, go teach, that was my, that was my uh, goal. But I was also working at the time for the same same company that I work for now, actually, 30 years later. Oh, wow. And um, and the, the challenge was I never could make that jump from my job to, you know, going and being a teacher. Because at that point and still now, it's, it's it, it, 
unfortunately, the salaries for teachers were were not that were not that uh, attractive, and so it was it's always tough to make that that move. But it was funny because it was a point when I had my teachers, my professors were telling me, okay, you either need to move on to higher level education, you know, like even the, the upper division uh, history classes, or because you, you've taken everything you could possibly take here. My work stopped paying for my college because they're like, we, we don't, we're not paying for you to become a history teacher. We want you to be something in business or engineering or something like that. So yeah, at some point, probably in my early 20s, I had to make the decision on do I keep going and get my history degree or do I, I switch over to like a business degree, which is what I ended up getting. So, um, so, so it kind of stayed a hobby. 30 years with one company. What is it you do? I work for uh, an engineering company uh, that does uh, semiconductors for, for all kinds of, uh, for cars, phones, things like that. So it's, um, it's engineering mostly, manufacturing and engineering. Yeah, my father was uh, in engineering. Uh, he started when he was about 17, went right through until retirement with the same firm. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, kind of uh, my my goal at this point since I've been there 30 plus years. I, it, it doesn't make any sense to do anything differently. So Exactly. Um, if, if you don't mind me asking, I mean, how did it, with the lockdown and, and the 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 pandemic, how did that hit you when it came to work? Were you still able to? Well, I've, I've basically been working from home for the last two years. That's probably one of the main reasons that allowed oh, me to, to to do some of the, um, my more writing. Uh, and also, I used to travel a lot. I have a um, I have a lot of uh, I would travel to Asia and Europe a lot for work. Wow. And uh, that that is pretty much I haven't traveled for work in coming up on two years now. So it's been a yeah. that's been a big difference. So um, yeah, so so it's definitely impacted. Uh, we've done we do obviously everything now on calls and and uh um either teams or zoom or something like that so it's a, great. it's been a very interesting world so it's changed it, the world a lot of many of yeah, yeah it has and um, it's opened the doors to and opened people's eyes to um digital media that's always been out there always been there for you but you've never had to use it until now um so it's great that you could carry on work uh, especially from home that that's wonderful news but it also helped you because you were at home you then had the time to write yeah. where you didn't have it when you were doing your normal work and out of the house yeah. so that that's the same with a lot of authors that, that start uh, quite late in life because they just never had the time to do it and the yeah. pandemic it, it hit authors two ways. Um, they either lost their motivation or they had the time. And so they were straight in there and got that yeah. book out that they've been meaning to write for a long time. So, I mean, when did this idea for this, uh, your debut novel first hit you? Was it like 20 years ago and it's always been there and you've always wanted to do it, but you never had the chance or was it, when you knew that you had the chance to write something, then the idea came. Well, actually, so it was the previous one. It was in the late '90s that I actually, and I actually started writing it. I had, I had most of book one, or I had all of book one and most of book two written, probably 15 years ago. And and wow. they were a much different book. Um, book one yes. was originally like over a hundred thousand words, like 110,000, which was a lot for a, a, a first novel. Um, but in, in, in book two was, was not quite as big, but it was mostly written. 
and then about a year and it's been going it's been edited for years like i would go back to it after a year and then it'd go out to friends and go out to family and they'd read it and they'd kind of give me input it's probably done 500 you know edits and drafts and so <laughs> forth and uh, finally last year i was talking with a, a very close family uh a, a close friend of the family and, and she was basically like look you need to just do this right it's like your kids eventually they got to go out of the house, right? So this book has got to get out on its gotta own. Got to be done, yeah. Yeah, so I engaged with a um, a content editor to help me, you know, kind of make sure that it, the content was smooth and, and, and everything was, was the, the plot was working really well. Then got with a uh, line editor and proof editor. And so yeah, through the whole well professional done. process. Yeah. Excellent. And, um, yeah, and then, uh, then the cover person, that was an interesting... Uh, it took me three different attempts to get to where I am now. And um, you never know where you're going to find your, your, your support. Cause my person who does my cover is out of Serbia. So with the new, with the new world, you can go and get people that are talented everywhere around the world. So exactly, um, exactly. As long as you're, yeah. when it comes to the cover, as long as your idea comes across and comes alive on the cover and it's yeah. um, not like uh, the cover designer. All right. So I want this, I want that. Here's, here's your cover, that's what you asked for. And you're like, no, that's not my vision. Here's my vision, please make it. So it yep. does take a few drafts to get there, but are you happy with the final result? Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with it. We started, the first person I worked with with the cover, it was on my own fault for not knowing what I wanted. It was, I, was, I went in there with too much, too many different ideas, right? You know, <laughs> you could do this, you could do this, you could do this, and then that, that, didn't help that person at all. No, it the wouldn't second one, we had an idea and we kind of went with it. But unfortunately, um, the person that they engaged had copyright issues with the original one. So that that's always something to worry about is people going and grabbing images offline and then using them. Yeah, so that's that why made, you have to go that, with the professional so they know what they're doing and you know you exactly. can trust them. And then that's what I ended up with uh, with Dusan, the, the, my cover artist now. and. And he's just amazing. He, I sent him an idea, and within 24 hours, he had a draft that I would say was 95%, you know, perfect. Yeah. And and that's what I went. And he's done a great job on book two and three. Been very supportive and and helped me with. And he's actually done some of my short story covers, and he does helps me with banners once, and all kinds of stuff. So once you guy. find that person, once you find that person, um, it's like my my cover designer for for um, my. Uh, uh, fantasy which is a contract with a publisher um when i went with the publisher i said i'm taking these covers with me and if you don't accept them i'm not coming with you because yeah. she got them perfect to how i wanted them exactly how i asked her she saw my vision she did it and she's been doing all my covers ever since so uh, yeah once you find that person uh, and you've got the team, you know, you've got that editor that you trust, who understands your style of writing, who understands where your warped mind is, is coming from. Yep. You've got the beta reader who you trust again to listen to their advice and that you know they're going to um, give you really good feedback. Or the ARC readers, again, before it gets published, you have your ARC readers. And once you have that little team, then the next book, use them the next book you use them you use them yeah they actually and, and start bugging you my, my arc readers are actually where's book three where's book <laughs> <laughs> you actually where it's at so it's, it's oh, nice that's when, really cool yeah when they want to read it versus 
when you're trying to get them to read it, right? That's kind of when you got them hooked, and especially in a series, right? Is if you if you, you hook yeah, so yeah, if you can get them hooked like that, and then they're begging for book three, then you've done a bloody good job on book one and book two. Yeah. So, Brendan, do you have it right near you? Do you have a copy that you can show into the camera? Yeah, yeah. Let me grab for a those that are listening to the audio. I'm sorry, I'm just going to describe the cover to you, or you can go and watch the YouTube show and actually see his cover. Let's have a look then. Okay, so here's the the cover. I think I can put it the right distance. Oh um, wow! So the title's called The Last Roman, and we have a Roman um, soldier holding the golden shield, all in his outfit, his battle outfit. And in the background, it's all misty and blue, and you can see, like, temples. That is haunting. It's beautiful. That is gorgeous. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so actually, and it's, and it's hard to love it too on the camera, but the, the background is actually like a – it's actually a modern city because the novel oh. is – the mo the, I put it a little bit closer. Maybe you can see it. Yeah. So the, um, so the novel is actually a historical fiction – but it's it's actually a modern day thriller as well, and I can explain a little bit a little bit later how that how that works. But what I wanted in the cover was to juxtapose the the, the older soldier in his armor and then a modern city. So it kind of makes the the reader kind of wonder why would you have a Roman soldier in this really modern city with skyscrapers and so forth with it. So that kind of this is this is the same with the the duology. Um cover of uh, illusional reality the box set um we've got her in ticinia which is the magical fantasy land but then you can see the modern village the modern world through the trees so yeah. you know there's there's two parts of the world building which with what you've done so i am so intrigued about this how you've got um history into thriller into um, modern uh, times. So, please tell me about uh, the Rome, the Last Roman. What was it called? The um, yeah, the, the Last Roman in Book One is called Exile. Um, and so okay. the 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 main character of the, of the story is a Roman soldier who was involved in the crucifixion. And oh. when he, as part of the crucifixion, he's transformed, kind of cursed with immortality. So he's going to live. Uh, forever that no matter what happens to him he can actually be killed he still resurrects and, and wow. so he can't he can't die he yeah, he's cursed to to walk the earth and so the story is based on a, a modern day plot where we have a uh, a storyline that goes to the modern day but just about every other chapter we do a flashback so we we go through a period of history and it kind of gives some more flavors character development even moves the plot along a little bit so it might be a flashback to his days as a Roman. It might be a flashback to, say, World War II. It might be a flashback to the Battle of Tours in the 700s. He lives through it all, huh? He lives through it all. And there's there's actually some other characters that are immortal as well. Um, so he interacts with them. And there's it's, and certainly the antagonist is is immortal. So there's a modern-day plot where it's a, kind of a thriller, I would say, like a Jason Bourne, John Wick type of mm -hmm. feel to the modern day. And then the cool. historical flashbacks just kind of run you through different periods of history, like uh, not not unlike the movie Highlander, you know. With the, I was going to say that. I was going to say that when, when I just got that in my head, Highlander. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so so you go along like when you're watching the movie, and the next thing you know, it kind of fades into, and then they're in 
you know, they're, they're in the, the highlands and, you know, 1200 or something. So yeah, it's very similar to that. Um, it sounds a little bit complicated when you, when you explain it, but I've had most of the feedback from the readers is pretty good. I do a decent transition. Usually if there's a flashback, it ties to the previous chapter or the next chapter, one or the other. So with it, it brings in it the flows. character. Yeah. It so you flows. kind of, if you talk about a character that you're going to, the new, in the modern day, you're going to meet then the flashback may introduce the first time they those two characters met 500 years ago or Perfect. the last time they met something like that so it um kind of flows well this um roman now that he's in modern times and you said there's a thriller is he like a uh, detective a policeman is he the bad one that everyone's trying to find is he the murderer i mean what role does he play in the modern world in this thriller he would He's kind of, I would say, a little bit of like a detective, more like a private, private detective, like a private investigator, where he's he's trying to find out what the antagonist, who's the other immortal who lives, you know, through time, has a has a has a bad plan in place for everybody, right? So and so, the main character Marcus is trying to find this other immortal and stop him, and he. But he doesn't really know what he's what he's up to, so he, he has to try to figure out what his plot is first, what his what his idea is. Then he's going to try to stop him from doing that. And so he just goes through his modern day throughout time. He's done different things. He's fought for what he thinks is the right side, maybe in World War II or things like that, or he's just helped people throughout time when he thinks there's a injustice that's been done and so forth. And he'll become involved in that. So he's kind of just moved around and done different things and. Sometimes he gets bored and might go to another continent or another country and do some different things. And so we we explore that with his with his histories. And that's what some of the short stories that I've I've brought in help explain as well, um, where we bring in those characters and we just put them in a period of time. And when I started writing them, I thought there would be a chapter in the book, and then I was like, didn't want to use them. So I was like, why waste them? Why not just finish it up and have it a standalone short story yes fantastic idea i love that especially for the fans that are really into the series that would really help them and and um let them uh, understand a bit more about where that scene would have gone in the book and, and who that character you're explaining or talking about someone who's never read the series however could they read one of the short stories and it'd be like a flash fiction, you know, start, middle, end to every short story. Yeah, every short story has a um, has a is a full story in itself. It's it's self self contained. I would call it. Uh, for Brilliant. example, one of them I have is called Hatchet, and it actually has one of the female immortals in there. Her name is Isabella, and it's it's based on a true story of a group of women uh, during the Second Crusade who defended this small town in Spain from um, a Muslim invasion and they, all the men had gone off to fight in a different, uh, with the army had gone to fight in a different area. And so they were left to fight and defend the town. And they did so with whatever they had on hand, which was not regular weapons. They used hatchets yeah. and so forth. And they actually became known later on as the order of the hatchet because they were, they were basically given a lot of privileges for, for defending the town. So that was, I based a short story around that. So it, it just kind of yeah. explains. And then I added my own, obviously, fiction to it, you know, my own, my own twist to it. But from a general uh, viewpoint, that's, that's the basis of the story itself. Are, are all these short stories taking parts from history, real history? And, and you've Some of them are. Them... Most of my flashbacks do. And then most of the, the, that one story does. 
My other story that I have for the series with the main character, Monsoon, is purely fictional. It's just based in the uh, the Old West for the, in the United States, and it's just my main character chasing down a bad guy. There's I no love real the way you've just stuff. gone from, like, the dinosaur era right through to the <laughs> modern time. Let's just grab that chunk and grab that. And then what was it? How did you pick out of everything that's happened in history? How did you pick the ones you wanted for your book? What made well, you most, go to those places and those times? Yeah, what I what I like to do, and that's a great question. So thanks for asking. What I'd like to do is pick something that I don't think people have known a lot about, right? Like I mentioned World War II, and I, I don't have very much in there about World War II, just a quick uh, chapter, and it's very, mm. very specific for some characters. But World War II is probably one of the most written about periods in history, right? And then, yeah. so I, I, in book three, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit about World War I, which sometimes becomes a forgotten war because we always focus on World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, or I did the siege of Constantinople in the 1400s, which mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize that's the, basically the, when it, when it fell, it became Istanbul after that. That was the last time it was, a, it was a Constantinople. Um, or I'll do the Battle of Tours. So I'll try to pick something that, I think general audience, as far as if you, if, if historians were reading this, of course, they know a lot about different parts of history and yeah. they would be aware of it. But the average person may not know about the Battle of Tours or the Siege of Constantinople. So I try to pick things that I think were interesting. I love that. And things that were very pivotal in history. And if it went one way, our history would look different than what it is today because of the way it actually did go that's absolutely wonderful because they're learning something while as long as you're not you're not being you're not preaching to to them you're not teaching them as long as it's done in an entertaining way um people are going to learn all about all about these things that have really happened and i think that's wonderful what you've done that's so creative and uh thank you and you being uh, such a, a history buff, this was the ideal book for you to write because with your first novel, you always write about what you know and you've done that. You've taken yeah. what you know and you've just thrown everything into it. Um, I can understand why it's so big now because yeah, history is so fast. I mean, where do you put, where did you do? you stop you know how can you stop yourself when there's so much more that you want to show and tell in your in your the novels and yeah that's going to be the challenge i mean i think i i have the modern day storyline is pretty much going to be set at three novels but the way that i set it up i could do endless amount of prequels and i could just pick a period of time and do an entire book on just one period instead of, of the flashbacks type of thing so it gives me almost novellas, a franchise. Novellas, yeah. novellas yeah. yeah, I could do novellas, short stories, and books, and then anthologies. Amazing. It just leaves it all. It's a, to me, it's almost the perfect type of franchise type of uh, uh, setup for me to be able to do that. As long as I don't get bored with these characters, and if I do, then I just move on to a different series, so I do something else for a while. Exactly. Uh, I, I, you can't kill him off because he's immortal. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know exactly. how you're gonna end. This. I mean, how many books is it going to go on for? How are you going to end it? He's, I mean, he's cursed with immortality, but he's also changed from who he was at the crucifixion to the person he is now and what he's done through all of his lifetimes, his lifelines of helping people and getting involved in the right side and, and um, doing God's work, if we can put it that way. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, there is some, yeah, and obviously with it involving the crucifixion, there is some a religious aspect, aspect to it. What I try to do is keep the religion almost as the backdrop in story. I don't, I'm not very preachy at all. I don't, I don't say what's right or what's wrong. And, yeah. and he, and even he, he's a character is always evolving and trying to understand, you know, what his place in the world is and, and what, what he's looking for, whether it's redemption or whether it's uh, just trying to make up for some of the sins that he may have done. So he's just kind of stumbling through the world. He doesn't know when things are going to happen. He doesn't when, know when what his path is. Yeah. yeah. And so he doesn't know if he someday, if he, if he will become non-immortal, if he become a mortal person and be able to finally die. Uh, or not so to him it's well, you don't a, know never <laughs> do you know yeah do I kind know? of I I have about a I'm probably 90% sure about how I want to finish it up um I'm I'm due to publish Good. the third book in end of March so I need to get that to 100% pretty quickly but I'm working <laughs> on it uh, well I'm glad you have an idea of the ending because uh yeah I I wouldn't know what to do with him uh, and like you said it's it's raining yourself in and not wanting to go even further and, and go into more history and everything. Do you do you cover any of the Greek history at all? Uh, I am trying to think in my mind if I've gotten there yet. I haven't done much there yet because I have to start basically in zero, you know, 32 AD because that's when the crucifixion is. I've done a little bit before that to give the main character how he developed mm. as a soldier. Um, but I may, I other than... Um, moving a little bit later into history where I could get into some of um, the Roman interaction with the Greeks. Roman borrowed a lot from the Greeks. So that, that was, mm. there's a lot I could, I could work on there. Um, but the Greek history, as far as uh, like Alexander and the mythology would be, would be previous to, would be before when the main character was born. So exactly. I mean, this is, this is, we are talking about mythology and what have you, but there's, there's one story that's always stayed with me and it was somewhere in Greece and it's on a big mountain and there's like a statue um, representing what happened. And it was when the Turks invaded and instead of the, the women and children being killed or, um, raped or murdered or whatever they actually jumped off of the mountain they oh, held okay. hands and and they jumped off the mountain so the turks couldn't get them and oh, wow. when i was when i was there and, and and i heard the story and i was actually there and i saw the the holding of the hands uh the sculpture the monument it just it's something that stayed with me for for such a long time since the first time I heard the story because it's just so you can you can imagine it's like it's like me thinking back to the 300 and and how only 300 of them faced that army and of course they all died but it was their their bravery of what they they did knowing that they weren't going to win but they weren't going to make it easy for them either yeah yeah they were going to buy some time for them yeah. but uh, I mean Sparta I've been to Sparta I've been there um and back in the films of course because I never read the books but the films with the 300 and you see how strong the Sparta women are and they're ready to to like one part that you've done in your short story where the women can you know keep the town safe and and they're they're made warriors and they're made uh because 
the hatchet uh, whatever you called them um yeah. that's the same as the sparta women you know so it i think uh it goes through history you 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 hear of more of these stories that are very relatable to other areas you know uh, different countries different situations but in the same way, uh, the story is the same. The history is the same. Um, I'm not a history buff. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just, I just love watching movies like that with the yeah. the Romans and the Greeks. And uh, I'm not into mythology, but I am into the historical um, uh, films. But uh, trying to read a historical book I don't think I could but I absolutely love what you've done with yours that's amazing and I hope the people that have listened watching or listened to the podcast uh, are as um, intrigued as as I am to uh, see what you do with this book and and see how it how it reads and how it all comes together so where can people uh, get your book uh, Brendan? Probably the best thing to do is just go to my uh, my author website, which is uh, www.bkgreenwood.com. <laughs> just exactly like it sounds. It's a very basic English name. Um, and right in there, you can learn more about, uh, you can read through the, the synopsis of the book. You can see some reviews. Um, I'll eventually put like a link to this there as well. So you can see, people can listen to this. Um, and then there'll be a link for shopping and you can either, you can buy uh, through Amazon. That's where, that's my primary place that I do my sales, but I also uh, sell books directly, uh, a print books. Uh, and I will sign all the books that I, that I do myself. Do um, and I have website. some, yep. Through my website. So and, and you can book and purchase them there as well. So there's lots of different options. It's available on ebook, uh, paper book, and, and actually the hardbacks will be out probably in another two weeks. I'm just waiting for the print proofs to make sure they look okay. Yeah. And then um, the audio book actually comes out on Audible. Oh, uh, wow. So you, did, you, you haven't stopped, have you? You've, you've covered everything. That's yeah, wonderful. Wow. Yeah, so. How is it? I mean, people that listen to audiobooks, and there are so many more now with the situation that we've been in that have really turned to podcasts and audios for entertainment. Um how did you find your uh, your uh, narrator? I, I'm assuming it's male. He's yeah. male. Yeah. So yeah, I went through. Um, I was actually uh, accepted and uh, signed with uh, Podium, which is does a lot of uh, indie uh, independent author uh, books, and they they take care of the whole process. They they find the narrator and they um, they they check with me to make sure ahead of time that I was okay with with who it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had highly recommended that I go with a with uh, a Brit, an English author, because they say they do really well with historical books. People oh, tend wonderful. to feel better when they have uh, they love that, that yeah, event. especially the Americans. They love the English accent. That's yep. probably perfect for your book. What was that place called that you went through? Uh, Podium. Podium. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah, they're pretty um, pretty well established, and they they took care of all of that. Uh, the individual is called uh, Peter Noble, and he's won several uh, awards for his audio books. He sounds awesome. I, I got the uh, preview of it about two weeks ago, and I was was really Blown really happy away, with, yeah. with how well he did. Yeah. And, and actually, 
people, if you go to the website, you can actually listen to a snippet of the prologue on there as well. There's a link to click and Perfect. you can hear him kind of do that as well. Uh, so that comes out in January. Book two would be out in February as well in Audible. Um, and then I've also, we threw the a short story at the end of each one of the books. So he reads through one of the short stories we have at the end of each book. So it cool. kind of gives a little bit, a little bit of uh, extra content there. So yeah, we're pretty excited. Uh, hopefully book three will be out. I would say probably sometime in summer would be my guess. Cause I, since I launched it in March and I uh, yeah, pretty excited much, about it. Yeah. So it's a great, it's a great process. It was, it was interesting. I didn't, I originally was planning on doing it myself. Um, but I'm glad that there was somebody else that could pick the narrator for me because I was having a hard time narrating, bringing you down to one person. So it was great that they had professionals who could do that for me. Did, did you, if you don't mind me asking, is it because with ACX, they, you can actually do a, a royalty share or royalty split or you do a hybrid where you, so much money and so much uh, um, uh, royalty. Uh, did you pay a, a lump sum to them to get your narrator to get them to do the editing the and to have the audiobook completely ready did you pay one lump sum or, or is it through royalty it's through it's 100 percent a royalty model so podium wow. puts up all the costs up front and then i make a percentage back on each uh book sold um That's it's obviously awesome. a lower percentage than if you did the lump sum but in my mind i had so much going on with I mean, I self-publish everything else, so I, I'm always yeah, on cost. everything else. I just, this was just a no-brainer. I let them take care of it and to be yeah. the extra revenue stream, and I would be able to use it to help with my advertising and, and branding yeah. and so well. well so. I mean, authors, I mean, we authors, we know, but the readers out there don't know how much. It's not just about time and effort of writing the book, but how much it actually costs to publish a book, to pay for the professional editing, the formatting, the cover, then the promotion and marketing of, of the book and, and keeping it going. And it, it is, it, it's very, very costly. Um, yes, you can publish your book, ebook free on Amazon, but uh, if you want to do it correctly, like Branson has done and have absolutely polished before it goes out there to the public then you need to have that money and you need to uh, spend it um, those authors that want to they have that book inside them and want to write it um, write it but don't publish it until it's ready because the book has one chance and yeah. it's your baby and you want it to to go out there with a bang and you want those five star reviews and you want those editorial reviews, uh, maybe even uh, an endorsement of somebody, you know, that that is our our dream. And that's what we we work so hard to achieve. And uh, I absolutely love the idea of what you've done um, and and your future um, with the audio books and the short stories and maybe even novellas later on. I think it's an absolutely amazing uh, franchise, amazing idea. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, chatting with you uh, about it and about your book, and it's wonderful to meet you. Um, are you on social media? Where can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'm on social media in almost all the forums. Um, I'm on Facebook, so you can find me if you just Google for or look for a search for BK Greenwood. Um, it'll pop up. I think it's BK Greenwood 70 is actually my my mm -hmm. handle on both 
Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter are my main ones that I'm on now. I haven't quite got quite gotten into uh, TikTok yet. But I knew you were going to say pulled. that. <laughs> uh, I knew you were going to say that. It's a little bit easier. My daughter is supposed to help me with that. She's more oh. uh, that uh, that age group that does really well with TikTok. Um, but like you mentioned, it, you're, you're absolutely right. It's it's so well. I think it's it's not right. But I, to me, I need to help have to have her help me get with the comfort level of doing some of the videos there. Um, but like you mentioned, it is made a great point. There is a there's a lot of fun, you know money that's involved in doing it, and also just the amount of time you know mm-hmm. if you especially if you do your own you know ads and, and coming up with your different creatives you do there yeah. and just tracking all it, the different you're doing things. it yourself it's, you know it's so okay. much to do <laughs> okay it's it's up to you you know you have the choice of this and you do that and you promote and and market and pay for advertising when you want because it's not with a publisher but um then you have the downside all the time it takes to do that marketing and promotion and a lot of authors are scared to put themselves out there like you're doing now you're on camera with me you're talking with me um you're going to go over to other podcasts and do more interviews and on radio interviews some authors are afraid to put themselves out there and tiktok um it's not it's not for young people not anymore (laughs) everything is advertised on tiktok every video can be for anything for any age and for for you with your book tiktok i think cosplay would be amazing um if you if you're up to that or even just reading a short excerpt from the book introduce yourself in in a, a quick video of who you are and your book you show the cover you tell them where they can buy it in another video you do a little reading of it and again you've got a link where they can buy it and that's what your videos on tiktok should be just about your book about the characters maybe even playing a character you know be a character for for uh, one minute on video hi my name's marcus and this is who i am and this is what i go through you know, so no, come and read, come point, and read yeah. my book. You know, there's, there's so much um, imagination you can use for TikTok, but it's not for young people anymore. And it's not about doing dancing to songs <laughs> anymore. It's yeah. totally, totally revamped and changed. And it is uh, coming one of the, the top places for authors now. So don't miss out on that, uh, Brendan. Yeah. I really need to... Uh, Get going on, get going on TikTok, yeah. Sounds like a good 2022 resolution to go with the TikTok uh, presence. So I will definitely do that. Appreciate wonderful. Well, as soon as you start going, I'll follow you. You follow me, and uh, okay. I can uh, help you out with that and give you some uh, little tips and what have you. I'm happy All to right, do that. All right, perfect. Um, Sounds good, Brenda. It's been an absolute pleasure meeting you, listening about your book, talking with you. You're awesome. I wish you all the best with this series, uh, the franchise, because I can see Merc and merch and everything happening later on. Um, and uh, I wish you all the book uh, best with book three and your audios. And thank you so much for being a guest on Behind the Pen. All right, thank you for having me. I appreciate it, and and you. Best of luck to you as well. So thank you. Thank you.